You're listening to Illini Life Audio, messages from a community of Christian believers on the campus of University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. For more audio and video content, visit IlliniLife.org. We are in our fifth and final week of a series we started called Relationship Goals, hashtag Relationship Goals. I'm supposed to say that. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun. We tried to do a relationship series that didn't all kind of crescendo into this like glamorization of marriage and romance as the ultimate ideal. And so we talked about friendship. We talked about singleness. And then we stepped pretty headlong into things like you know, dating and marriage and tried to address some of our, our more gritty practical questions. And along the way, we asked you guys, hey, as a church community, would we just submit our questions uh, even anonymously? Right? So we take away that awkwardness of having to say, like, oh, here's what I'm, I'm wrestling with, but that we can kind of collect these thoughts together. We, we had an online forum. We had a box in the lobby every week. Uh, we got a lot. We got a lot of great questions. We had about 40 questions submitted over the last month. And what we did is, is I took those questions, and I kind of looked at the themes that were there. Uh, it's way more than we can do in one morning. And so I'm going to try and get us into this pretty quick. And I pared it down to about 25. We won't get to all that this morning. Uh, but we have a, a great panel here to kind of serve us and speak into that. Um, and we're going to do our best. And so here, I just want to set some quick expectations, and then we are going to jump in. Okay, so the first one, I thought, I think it's healthy to say we're going to call this Q&R as opposed to Q&A, all right? Question and response as opposed to answer, right? It'd be very presumptuous of us to say, like, we have the answer that has fallen from the sky for all of your relationship questions, and this is exactly how you do it, right? And so these guys here different seasons of life. We want to give a faithful response out of wisdom, out of biblical intelligence and, and experience, right? But also, I've just some like, here's how it's worked out in my life. All right, check uh, the podcast if you missed one, right? So there's a lot of questions that were excellent, and I actually think along the way we answered quite a few of them. And so if you missed one and you submitted something that was about like dating, uh, there's a very good chance that they might have addressed that in that talk. And so if you weren't here uh, and you feel like something was missing, go back and check it out. There were some great teachings and then here's the next two, okay? These are the don't freak out qualifications, all right? So there may be places where you even disagree with what's said or, or someone's up here and we're doing our best and we're doing our best to offer wisdom that's quick. We want to move along through these questions, but we may use some generality, some broad strokes. Oh, guys are like this, ladies are like that. And if that offends you or you feel like, hey, it's not always that, it, we get it, right? We, we get like it's not always that. There's always exceptions to things that we say. Let's just kind of Give, give us all the benefit of the doubt here and, and just let those exceptions be there. Uh, and then finally, and this is the last one, one of the things that we wanted to do was give space for our, our hard-to-ask questions to come out, right? Some awkward things that, that are bugging us, that are kind of right there under the surface, but they're hard, to, they're hard to talk about. And so a lot of the questions we got, they're about sex or uh, just abusive relationships, things like that that are like, I don't want to raise my hand and be like, I got those juicy questions. Right? We wouldn't do that in this context, but we want to have space for that as a, as a church family. Right? We want to have a, a place where we can talk about that. And I know that even some of the students we heard, man, well, we're going to have like dads there and stuff. Isn't that super awkward? And here's what I'd encourage you guys, right? Even as dads, and I think dads probably feel this too, like wouldn't we rather talk about it here? Right? Because we're going we're to have other places where we can find out you know, and form our opinions. Uh, and I think dads, we lovingly hang in there and, and, and we want to be able to have that kind of dialogue with one another. And we want to know the real questions that are on your mind, right, so we can speak to that. So 
those are my sort of short, ultra-short preface. What I wanted to do is give these guys a chance to introduce themselves and grab the mics real quick. Uh, and so I was just going to ask for name and kind of season of life they're in, right? Season of, let's call it their relationship status. So I'm Fred, if I don't know you. I've been married 11 years, um, and uh, I'm going to let it keep moving along here. I'm Susie Miller, and I've been married for four or five months. Uh, I'm Wayne. Um, I am in the season called winter, meaning that I am 62. Uh, and I've been married for 25 years. Oh, you got that one. Um, I'm Amy Majeski, and I have been married just over eight years. And caveat, I am always out of breath these days, so if I start gasping while talking up here, I'm not about to pass out. It's okay. Uh, I am Sarah Hogue, and I'm single. You don't need to know how long I've been single, so there's that. They might be suicide. Uh, I'm Bryce. I'm a student. I've been in a relationship for about two years now. Very good. All right, and thanks to Samsung Corporation, I'm going to set this timer for about 35 minutes, and I am just going to jump right in so that we can get to as much as we can this morning. And we'll see how it goes, all right? And so uh, I've compiled the questions in order. Let's bring that first one up, Maddie, and we'll jump in. There we go. All right. So um, here's, I'll explain a little bit of these little emojis at the bottom, too. The first question is a dating question. Uh, What do you think or advice that you'd have about starting a dating relationship in your later years when graduation is on the horizon? Because it seems like you either end up in a long-distance relationship or get stuck Having to stay in this town, right? It's, which is an awesome town. That's the first thing you guys need to know. This town is great. Uh, but I wanted to get. I wanted to start with this one because it's kind of a. Uh, it's kind of a. We can ease into that question, and it's super relevant, right? So these little little uh, fire emojis at the bottom. This is a little indicator of like this was a hot question, right? So we had about four or five people ask a question somewhere in this ballpark. And so I kind of had some fun with that along the way. You'll get a sense of, of uh, how important these questions were among our little community here. And so I wanted to open this up. Uh, and actually, Bryce, I'm excited. Bryce came up to me and was like, Fred, I think I'd like to try this panel thing. And I was like, I would love to have a student on this. And so I want to start with you, my friend. What do you think of that? What's been your experience there? Okay, so personally, um, that last part is kind of true. So like <laughs> being... Uh, in like an electroengineering major, champagne might not be the best way to like start your career. And so maybe that's the same for most of you, so I can understand that part. But personally, I think it goes down to, uh, it's very situational. If you, like me, I've been, like a man, I've been dating for like two years. So when she graduated and left and now she's in Chicago, it's hard to deal with, but since we were established, it made it a lot easier. So if you're in your like last semester of your senior year, Maybe you wouldn't start a relationship with someone when you know that you're going to move. And, like, I just encourage you to, like, follow your dreams because maybe they're not the only person for you. Maybe you'll find someone wherever you end up. Uh, But, yeah. And, Sarah, I wanted you to chime in on this as well. Um, I think my main thing was that relationships aren't about convenience. Uh, And so it's not necessarily, like, this logical algorithm that you try to figure out with timing and stuff. I... I think you should just really trust God's timing. If he is calling you into the relationship, uh, then you'll figure it out. 
I don't know if that's helpful at all, but just pray a ton, play it by ear. Um, and really, if like you are seeking God in it and you start this relationship and it doesn't work out, if you're seeking God in it, it's not a waste of time. Um, and so, and it's also helpful to just keep in mind relationships are about sacrifice. And so if it does lead to a long-term or long-distance relationship, uh, maybe that's what it'll have to be for a little while. And uh, yeah, or maybe if you're just stuck here in town for like a year, it's only a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could intern with us. There you go. That's a great, that's a perfect answer, really. That is the answer that fell from heaven, I think. Uh, no, all these questions, I think it's a great reminder, Bryce, that they're contextualized, right? And it kind of depends on where you're at, who you are, who they are, those kind of things. I think it's a great, important thing to say. Let's move on to the next one here. I'm going to keep it moving along. And this is about, uh, in reference to uh, something we brought up about being equally yoked, okay? So I'm going to read it from my notes here. Um, I know that on one hand, hey, you're either a Christian or you're not. On the other hand, it seems like there's different levels of maturity in following Christ. So can two Christians be unequally yoked, specifically? Can two Christ followers be unequally yoked? And furthermore, I hope to one day date and marry a a godly man slash woman, depending on who's asking, but what if I don't feel quite Christian enough to be worthy of a man or a woman like I imagine? Uh, And I wanted to uh, let Susie chime in on this one first. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, so as like an insecure girl myself, I think I can be, I can feel or hear like a little bit of insecurity in the question, or maybe it's not that. And that's how I'm just interpreting it. And so if I'm like hanging out with my friend, I'd be like, girl, don't be insecure. Like you, I want you to like find someone who's awesome too. And I don't want your insecurity to get in the way of that. And so if that's part of this question, I'd say, get rid of that and have your friend speak some truth into that. Um, But for the equally yoked part, I think there is some truth to that, right? There's, like, different compatibilities. If you are, like, yeah, I'm really set on, like, doing international, um, like, ministry, and, like, you're looking to date someone who isn't, or maybe it's the other way around. They're, like, yeah, I'm definitely going to this place, and you're, like, I could never go to that place. Maybe that's not, like, the right relationship for you to pursue, Um, but I do think, like, you want to be with someone who you respect. Like, you respect their faith. You respect their walk with the Lord. Um, and I think as long as you have people, um, like, trusted, like, believers around you who are speaking into your lives, I think definitely ask them, too. Like, do you see this could be a good fit? Um, I think having those people in your life to speak into that is super helpful. And, and they can a lot of times see things a little better than we can, like, in the moment, you know. So. Okay. Two Christians can be unequally yoked, meaning partnered unequally. One person's going further spiritually uh, than the other wants to go. And actually, it's very difficult to go as any further spiritually than your spouse is willing to go. There's always going to be a pressure. Some person's wanting to go forward, so the person behind is feeling guilty uh, shamed, the other person's putting pressure. Um, it's definitely something to work on and t- to determine before you get married, and it could be a deal breaker. I would say to the person that feels like maybe I'm not spiritual or Christian enough for that person, is it possible that it's a calling for you to grow, to go deeper? Maybe this is the real answer. Um, and so I do think the counsel is important and seeing 
where that line is between am I settling for someone or could this really work? Okay. Thanks, guys. We have a, we had a lot of questions about kind of compatibility, especially spiritually in a lot of areas. And so we'll probably hit that theme a few different times here as we keep going. I do want to keep us moving. This is a equally kind of uh, the next question here, if we could bring it up. Uh, this is a juicy question. All right. Yeah. Is it okay for an engaged couple to live together, you know, in, in separate rooms, just different caveats to that? Wayne, I wanted to uh, let you go ahead and speak into that, and we'll hear from Amy as well. Well, it is usually a financial thing people are thinking, ah, let's save some money. I do think that uh, it is unwise for a couple ever to do this. There is, in an engaged couple, a powerful attraction going on. It's so hard to keep boundaries, and you're so easy to cross them and to corrupt the relationship. There's also a very subtle power going on as a marriage is beginning to form a very deep spiritual unity that's forming. And I feel like this corrupts that process. It may diminish that process of reverence for the upcoming union. Um, The other thing is that the Bible tells us to avoid the appearance of wrong or of evil. Even though you may feel okay about it in your mind, The others around you in your Christian community are going to be going, what's going on here? They don't know how innocent you are. All they have in their mind is, wow, these people are being married before they're married. And it it can cause a lot of confusion. So, Amy? I mean, I think Wayne said a lot of what I I was also thinking. Um, I was somebody pre-engagement who thought, okay, Sticking to boundaries feels pretty easy. I was knocked off my feet by how hard that became after I knew that this was the person I was going to marry. So, I mean, the Bible is full of talking about fleeing temptation. Um, I think living together before marriage feels like getting right up to that line and kind of living with temptation every day. Um, I haven't heard of very many successful scenarios without compromise on, on kind of the guidelines that God sets out for relationships before marriage. It is more convenient. I think it's worth the extra effort in this area. And I know that there's counsel about that within the church. Like, yeah, there's a moral dimension to that about what we want to avoid. And then even outside of the church, like in the the, uh, secular authors writing about it, they say that that the marriages uh, that start out with cohabitation, like uh, they're statistically much higher rates of divorce there and stuff. And so there's just a lot of uh, wisdom there that, I would encourage you guys to pursue. I do want to keep us moving here. Uh, this is kind of a, a, a downer question. Um, if I'm attracted to someone but not prepared to pursue a relationship, how should I go about getting over them and moving on? Um, how about uh, Amy again, if you could? Um, I, don't, I don't have a very cohesive or, like, complete right. answer for this one. Um, I think if you know that you're not ready to pursue a relationship with this person, you need to kind of check yourself and be aware of your motivations for where you sit in groups, what events you go to based on where that person is or whether or not they're going. Um, I think err on the side of giving yourself more space to, to view them more level-headedly um, rather than stealth dating unintentionally. That's good. Uh, and Wayne? I, I did feel like I... I would want to ask more questions. Um, 
is the reason you don't feel like you can pursue the relationship is because maybe you haven't finished your degree or you, you're, not, you're not financially ready. One of the most successful marriages ever in this fellowship were two sophomores who decided to get married, and Joe and Kelsey Testa, who lead Adirondack LT. And that early marriage could be the answer there if... A person has some healing to do. You can say, hey, I really like you, and I'll give you a lot of space. And, and you pray, and you wait patiently for things to change. Um, I think it sounds like a difficult situation. I know that pouring your life into other friendships and choosing where you go can be a great help in, at uh, keeping someone from <laughs> becoming an obsession. That's good. I uh, I thought I'd chime in on this one for just a minute. I had a roommate in college. Uh, for a lot of college, I, I'd broken up with my girlfriend uh, early in freshman year and then didn't date for a long time. And my roommate shared with me in one of my more self-grieving moments, uh, he shared a proverb, and, he, and it, it was just, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I was like, what is that? But then I thought about that for a little bit. And uh, I saw that, how do you get over someone in this question? And it just reminded me of, like, it's okay to be heart sick. It's okay to just kind of call it what it is, right? Like, yeah, I'm bummed. I'm heartsick about this. It stinks. And that's and, and Wayne did a great sermon, uh, I think it was last week, about singleness in that season and how to walk with God gracefully in that uh, and hopefully. Uh, and then trusting God's plan, the second half of that, right? But a longing fulfills a tree of life that God does have, uh, does know our longings. Right? Um, and so I wanted to move on to this next one here. I think it's a great question. We actually got a lot... Uh, this is a, it's a bonfire of, of interest in this question, believe it or not. Kind of, how do I make close friends that have the ability to challenge me spiritually? Sarah, you mentioned you had some things to say here. Um, yeah, so first of all, I would say um, maybe find someone who's spiritually mature, has been a Christian a while, <laughs> and just so you know that like this person is reading the Bible, they're walking with Jesus, so the vice that they have is biblical. Um, and then ultimately be vulnerable, just be open and honest about your struggles, uh, ask for prayer, ask for advice. Um, but also I would say reciprocate that relationship. Uh, don't just kind of view it as like, Oh, what can this person do for me? Um, you know, ask them like, what is God doing in your life? How can I pray for you? And kind of craft that relationship of uh, kind of challenging one another and encouraging one another. Uh, Also, I would say be intentional with your time together. Uh, Craft the time so that uh, you have enough to talk and to go deep and do things like walk somewhere together or drive in the car somewhere together. I have had some, I think, a good handful of like deep, good conversations have happened when someone has given me a ride home or I've given them a ride home. And then we're in the car for like 5, 10, 20 minutes at their house or my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, uh, yeah, I, I think just be intentional with, uh, you know, the time that you do have together. And uh, don't be afraid to kind of just talk about real things. Uh, if you do, I will just kind of put a little plug out. If you do need more structured, we have this thing called root groups. There are two to three people get together intentionally weekly and uh, it's a place for you to share, confess, and pray together. If you have any more questions about that, you can ask a staff member or 
a tent maker who is in a root group and or talk to a friend like, hey, do you want to join a root group today? Bryce, I wonder if you could share how it's been for you. Um, yeah, I actually struggle with this a lot. Uh, it's always been a challenge for me to uh, just make that natural connection with uh, the other person and just have the conversation just flow like it's super easy and I can be like vulnerable like Sarah said. Uh, so yeah, something that I've been working on pretty much my whole time here with Alana Life uh, and it's still a work in progress. But yeah. Cool. No, that's real life, man. I, I think a lot of people I've talked to have had that experience where that's why there's so much interest in this question. Why is it so hard, right? Uh, and I think in our context, we talked about this a little bit in the friendship message. We can be involved in a ton of stuff. And there are people all around us in our life. We're in different clubs and different teams and this kind of thing. But that intimacy, that depth is really hard to get to. So I uh, read a couple articles about this in preparation, talking about friendship. Didn't get into it real deep. Uh, a lot of the themes I think see come up are the consistency that Sarah mentioned of like, not being spread so thin that you're just you're never you're just running from thing to thing, never able to kind of be there with these people that you're meeting. Uh, and so one of the things that we've always we encourage people, and even in like our our foundations class in this church, we talk about make a commitment to your small group, right? Be there consistently. Make it like the thing that you you plan to be at during the week that doesn't just get nudged out uh, because something else came up, right? So plan around those things so that you're consistently around these people, seeing their face, face to face. Uh, and then the other theme that I've seen come up a lot in, in the wisdom of some authors is um, having some kind of outward mission together, having some purposeful thing that you're trying to do. And this is why, like, sports teams, you know, uh, they, they get along so well because they're, they're driving toward a similar goal. They're sacrificing together. So that's a natural place where you see friendships bud. And a lot of Christian authors would say, we have this, we have this amazing thing as Christians that we're trying to strive for in becoming like Christ. And so if you're really pressing into that with other people, that's an incredible opportunity to form really deep bonds of friendship relationship there, right? And so to think about that and support each other in that way, which is a lot deeper than a Bears game, right? Uh, so here we go. Next question. And this is about kind of reconciliation. we got a few questions in this territory. Am I allowed to end a friendship with a fellow Christian if we butt heads? as opposed to the alternative, working through it, apologizing, uh, explaining ourselves, et cetera. Um, Sarah, you want to give us a shot? Yeah. Um, so maybe, but really ultimately, no. I know that's kind of a hard answer, but as Christians, as examples of Christ to the world, uh, we have a responsibility to uh, seek forgiveness and understanding. We also must not let conflict go unresolved. Uh, I think... It is not healthy. We should definitely be quick to listen and slow to anger and also reserve judgment because ultimately judgment is God's. And uh, I think in this kind of time and age, there's this fear of, oh, they have an opposing view of mine. I can't even engage in that. And I think uh, really we need to step into those challenging conversations and listen to opposing views because we can learn and grow from them, but ultimately I think it is um, an opportunity to learn how to listen to someone and their perspective and do it in a loving way. Uh, and when you are also kind of sharing your experience or your point of view, try to really speak from your perspective and not kind of blame or accuse someone of kind of, you know, their wrongs. Uh, and then I, I say maybe because I do think that 
you can, there are certain people that it's okay to not be as close friends with. And I say that with reservation because um, I think you just have to be aware of like yourself and your personality. I know for me, there are just some types of people I don't get too close to and it's mostly out of self-protection. It's a lot of, I can be a really quiet and reserved person. And so someone who might be really straightforward and blunt, like it might lead to a conversation where I actually get hurt. Um, and it's not that, you know, I'm going to be like, oh, no, we're just not going to be friends anymore. It's just I might not be super close with them. Uh, also, I think, I mean, there are people, if they have just horrible morals and maybe they're not Christians, like it's okay to not get super close to them. Like you don't have to be best buds, but I still think you should try to be friends. Um, but ultimately, Jesus, like the second highest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so I think... We are really called to uh, reconcile and talk things out and understand one another. And, um, you know, if you if you need help on this, maybe you could watch some My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. <laughs> I have to put a plug out there because really I realized the other day, I'm like, wow, the way that they defeat their enemies is that they understand them and befriend them. And I'm like, whoa, we can learn a lot from that, right? <laughs> so... There's that. That's good. <laughs> good. Uh, not, how, do you, how do you top that? My Little Pony. I don't, should we just move on? Uh, I, I, I want to chime on this. Yeah, over and over, absolutely. The New Testament exhortation is, is always toward reconciliation for Christians, right? That, that we really count the cost of like, this is what Jesus did for me, and I follow in his footsteps. And so that forgiveness, we want to pursue that. And I think you'd be shocked if you would hang in there and be humble and where you can get with people like we've 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 had to do that at times in this church, um, and the the other is I heard this soundbite. Take it for what it's worth. Forgiveness is free, right? Like forgiveness is something we always want to extend to our fellow believer, to to other people in our life. We want to follow in the footsteps of Christ in that way and be freed from like anger and bitterness that comes from unresolved conflict. So forgiveness is free, but trust is earned, right? And and that trust, like if someone's abused you, hurt you, and, and scarred you, like it's probably wise to not come back to them in that same situation and offer yourself in the same way, right? And so there's some, some intelligence there that comes along with it. Uh, but in general, yes, we pursue reconciliation. So, all right, let's keep going. We're going to get off the reconciliation topic and get into, uh, this is just a fun one. This is about the butterflies. If you've been established friends with someone for a while and you realize later that you're actually interested in pursuing a relationship with them, how do you convey that? And how should it change the way you interact with them? Susie, you have proclaimed yourself the expert on this one. I'm going to let you give it a ride. (laughs) I don't know about that, but um, all right. Well, if you guys were the day talk, we encourage you guys like just to be honest and forthright with each other. And I think that would be my advice in this situation as well. Like um, as a person who's like, oh, I think I suddenly like have feelings for this person who like we're clearly just friends um, maybe just present it like, Hey, like talk to them. Like, I think I'd be interested in like maybe going on a date or like pursuing a romantic relationship. I'm interested in you. Um, and see what they say. I that's like a hard thing to do. Right. Um, and so it does like require some putting yourself out there. Um, but I think it could be good, especially. And so the other thing is, I think this depends on like the degree to which you're like, I'm really interested. Is it going to be hard for you to like be friends with this person? Um, if you're like, actually, I'm like really into them and I'm like, just like this, what's it called? Unrequited love. Like, I'm just like 
fawning after them all the time, and it's hard for me to be around them without thinking, like, why aren't we a thing? Or, like, I'm wearing revealing clothing to try to make them interested in me or something like that. Um, I don't think that's helpful. And so, like, if it's, um, if it's, like, making it hard for you to be around them, I'd say go ahead and do something about it. A lot of people are like, but then I might risk losing this friendship. And I might say, is it really that helpful of a friendship if, like, it's that hard for you to be around them or um, to be in that situation? Um, if it's maybe not that difficult and you're not, like, being obsessive about it, um, just, like, maybe then it's something you could, like, share with friends and kind of, like, with time you might, like, be able to let it go and it won't be that huge of a deal. Yeah. Maybe. Good. Uh, I'm going to keep it moving here. We're going to be real brief with these next two. We've got this sort of juicy section in the middle that I want to make sure we get to. Okay, so, um, Sarah, real quick, uh, how many deep friendships can we or should we try and have to keep the quality in those friendships? Um, I think it really matters on, like, your mental, emotional, and spiritual capacity. I know I'm definitely an introvert, so social interactions and engagements drain me, and so I probably have fewer really deep quality friendships. Uh, if you are more extroverted and like being social energizes you, then maybe that number can be a little bit more. Uh, also be realis- realistic with your time that you have available to put into these friendships to really have them, you know, be good quality. If you need a number, I don't know, I just put down like two or four, two to four. But really I think um, the risk that you can run in having too many friends that you want to have like, be really good quality and go deep with is you can, how do I say this? Uh, So if you have like, let's say six friends that you're like, I want to be really good friends and have good quality relationships with these people. Um, And like, if you can only meet with them, like, and have a really good conversation every three weeks or so, you can actually really um, fall into like, being able to like hide what's actually really bothering you or like hide the sin that you're dealing with because you can kind of like you spread out your problems amongst all these different friends and it's easy to avoid hard topics and so when you have fewer people you're kind of like you're they're more like up to date on what's happening and so they can kind of keep you accountable in areas good answer don't need to add to that masterful i might might say uh, hey, we're going to uh, keep going here. We brought up something in the dating talk, uh, which uh, Russ and Susie did about three weeks ago. Uh, this phrase, can you leave them better than you found them? Right? Uh, and some, some folks were like, okay, how do you do that when you're breaking up? Can we get some examples? Uh, I thought, um, Susie, if you could, you could start. And I wanted Bryce to chime in, too, just out of experience things that are in their relationship. Yeah. So I think what this comes down to is just, like, respect and caring for that person. Like we said, like, and Sarah just said, like, love um, other people um, like God loves them, treat them like how you want to be treated. Um, and I think the leaving them better than you found them for a breakup, like still like you, ha- you have to go back through the whole relationship. Like, are you pushing them towards God? Are you um, treating them as Christ would be treating them? And so just like respecting them um, and loving them all along the way. And I think um, in the breakup, like that'll show like, and t- like in a breakup, like don't, is like, it doesn't need to be this huge dramatic. I mean, it's going to be hard no matter what, right? You're not going to be able to be their comfort um, but I like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't if, speak directly to the breakup, but I think if you have it all along the way, yeah. it'll, if the relationship was bad. The, re- the breakup's not magically going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I can agree with everything that Susie said. Um, so example from the, my life of this. So the girl I did before Amanda, when we broke up, she told me exactly everything that, why the relationship didn't work. 
And I know they say that they don't owe you that. Is that Russ laughing at me? <laughs> I see you, Russ. Um, but, like, I know Susie and Russ said that they don't owe you that, and sometimes they won't tell you that. But because she told me that, uh, it made me, be- like, a better person, made me better uh, with my relationship with Amanda. So, yeah. All right. We got to get into this next one. You guys ready? How do you tell your Christian partner you want to be less physical? This was a a bonfire of juiciness here, okay? A lot of interest in the general category of boundaries in a relationship physically, okay? So, Amy, I want you to let it rip. Go for it. All right. Um, So, when you get married, it does not automatically make it easy to talk to your significant other about sex. I think it's still an area of intense vulnerability um, with a lot of chances for hurt feelings or insecurity. Um, So it can feel like a minefield to talk about. Um, That said, if you are not talking about it and issues that might come up, um, you just, you open yourself up to a a chance for a lot of miscommunication and a lot of mistaken assumptions that can be really hurtful. Um, I want to treat this question carefully because I feel like there are kind of two two contexts that it, it could be asked from. Um, I think there can be very legitimate motivations to ask for less physical contact. Um, There can be situations of physical pain or trauma from the past that needs to be worked through. Um, And and those things are definitely legitimate. Um, And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But um, I think a lot of times when this question comes up, it can be more a mismatch in preference or desire. And I do want to speak to that for a minute. Um, I think... And I want to speak to wives because that's my experience. But um, I think physical connection sexually is a really important part of practically loving your spouse. Um, Making that choice to do so even when you don't feel like it is actually a very incredibly loving thing to do. And I think in our culture that can sound or feel really icky sometimes because we talk a lot, as we should, about consent, and that's very important. Um, but I don't really view it in that realm. I view it in the same realm. I view, um, sorry, talking myself into oxygen. Uh, I view it in the same realm as um, there are lots of times daily in my marriage where I can choose to put my partner's desires or needs ahead of my own um, as a way to love them. And so I think a lot of times when it comes down to just personal preference, this can be one of those ways to choose to love your spouse. Um, I do want to caveat that and kind of swing back to the top. If you're having a lot of hang-ups about sex um, and about that part of your relationship, there can be way too many reasons for that for me to go into or hypothesize about up here um, and do any justice with. Uh, We live in a fallen world. Sex is not going to be immune from that. Uh, So uh, I would suggest, though, that if you are experiencing those hang-ups that you talk to somebody it can be a Christian counselor if there are issues that you need to work through. Uh, if that feels too intimidating for you, it can just be another married Christian friend that you trust, same sex, um, who can help you process through some of that. I would, I would say that sex is an important part of marriage. It's not the most important part, um, but it is important. And if any other part of your marriage was feeling unhealthy or icky or, or not right, you would work to make it better. Um, So I would suggest you lean in and put in the work to kind of figure out if this area doesn't feel like an area of intimacy or connection, how can I, how can I work on that? Um, Because 
you would do that for any other part of your life, I think. Awesome. Wayne, I wonder if you could chime in and maybe speak to like the dating relationship and physical boundaries there a little bit. Yes, I, I do think that uh, the natural tendency is for a couple to move too quickly uh, into their physical relationship before they've really established a spiritual relationship and a friendship. And I would encourage every couple to go slow there. And for Janelle and I, we made a, a commitment very early on that we would say we're not going here until uh, we've made a serious commitment. We're not going to go here until we're engaged and here until we're married. And we told others that was our commitment. We ran that by mentors. And one of the things that we benefited from is we were demonstrating that we could keep our promise to each other. And that became a foundation for a very good marriage, a lot of trust. Um, You want to preserve this relationship. You want to treat it with great care, not just get what you want. And so uh, that's what I would encourage you to do. That's good, yeah, preserving that trust in there. And I think another thing I would add to you guys as students is, do you have other friends in your life? Do you have friends that aren't that, that person you're dating who, who know you and know sort of what, where you hope to be, right, in terms of striving for purity uh, in, that, in that department, in your relationship? Because when it's just you and that guy, that girl that you care about and then you have all these feelings for, even, and, it, and, and we'd be naive to think like, oh, we're not sexual, we're not, we don't have those desires. We, we, Sure you do, right? That, that's from God, right? God, God gave us that. He made us, and, and it's okay, right? And it's more mature and more humble to kind of say, like, yeah, yeah, we are, we have a, our, our natural tendency would be to go there and let that kind of drift that direction. But because of, of my convictions, um, I'm going to choose, we're going to choose to not, re, not kind of put ourselves in situations that are going to lend themselves to that. And I've told that, we've told that to each other, and my friends know that too, kind of know what my principles are, and that I don't have to just, like, make, you feel guilty about that or you feel dirty or awful because um, you guys are going to want to go there. And so having other friends in your life that can speak into that as well. want to get into this next one real quick, and we maybe go a little bit over. This is specifically about marriage, okay? And so we got a lot of questions, a lot of juicy questions, and we kind of walked this line gracefully, like, how do I talk about that on Sunday? We're like, everybody here. And what I would say is we, we want to go there. Right? We think that will serve you. But we also think, like, it is contextual, and maybe you need to follow up in, like, a small group or some, some friends that you're with. And we hope that we can be the kind of church where that's safe, right, where we can talk about uh, those underlying tensions that are, that are right there. Um, and so to, to, I had to lump a lot of these together, okay, because there was a lot of stuff that, that came in kind of in this department, you know, like where we have different needs. So I want to ask the married folks, what are some things you wish you knew about sex and marriage in that context that you didn't realize before you were married. Uh, Wayne, do you want to just jump right into that real quick? I know we only got a few moments left here. You know, when you, when you hear other uh, young couples dreaming about sex, it sounds so exciting, and the movies make it look so easy. Uh, what we learned is that despite the fact the uh, that we were allowed to have sex, and we looked at each other like, are we allowed to do this now? <laughs> yeah, we are. But that there was a, a, a long period of getting used to one another and figuring out ways how to love this person. Not everybody 
wants to be loved the same way. And I would say it's, it took a while, and there's a maturing, there's, there's practice, okay? Um, and people grow along the way. Um, now I, I know a couple right now that have found freedom in their sexual relationship, real enjoyment in their sexual relationship, and they're both pushing 50 years of age right now. And it's less than a year since they've had this, this happen to them. Be patient. Go the distance. Uh, remember to love and pleasure one another, even if it isn't perfect. Okay? Let's get Susie or Amy. What about Susie? Amy's got it. Susie's like, I'm good. Um. <laughs> I just had three quick thoughts, and actually Wayne pretty much touched on my first one, so I won't spend much time there. But um, I think our culture lies to us. We would all agree that our culture lies to us about sexuality and sex in general, but um, it's pervasive, and it can also be pretty subtle, I think, in the ways that it affects how we, what we expect to be normal. Um, I think a lot of times sex is a lot more routine than what you're going to see on the screen or read in a book, um, and that's okay. Uh, the the idea that you're always going to be so passionate about each other you can't keep your hands to yourself just isn't realistic. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not an important part of connecting with your spouse. Um, there will be times when one of you is going through a lot of physical, emotional, mental stress, and you'd just rather sleep. Culture will tell you, you know, the joke that it's always the wife that has the headache, but it goes both ways. Um, sex is great. It won't be perfect. Yeah, learning together is really cool, um, like Wayne said. Second thing I wanted to specifically speak to women, your hormone levels, your uh, self-acceptance and how you feel about yourself in the moment, um, your general emotional state that day play a huge part in your ability to enjoy sex. Um, And that fluctuates, and that's okay. I think if you put pressure on yourself to always feel a certain way or always be a certain way, you will have a harder time getting out of your own head. No one needs extra pressure there. Um, final thing, I'll make it real quick. Um, one thing, I need to find the name of it. Um, someone gave me a book called Intimate Issues written by two Christian women um, right before I got married. It's by two women with the last names of Dillo and Pinthus. Um, it was really helpful for me. It's, it basically goes through 21 questions that Christian women ask about sex. And it talks about Issues of getting over guilt from past sexual mistakes, um, past like pain from past abuse, um, pornography, body image issues, and then even just some of the real practicals of the fact that guys and girls take longer to warm up to things. Um, there were a lot of things mentioned in that book that are common and normal that if I didn't know or understand, I would have felt like I was weird. Um, so that was a helpful resource for me, um, Intimate Issues by Dillo and Pintus. Yeah, we can keep going. I was just say we had a great discussion of it in our small group the other week. We we're in kind of the CU group. There's a lot of married couples in our group. And one of the things that, that we brought to light was like the isolation of it. If it's just like you guys, like, it's just us and the shame of that or like the heaviness of that can be really discouraging in a marriage. And so that what I would just encourage you in that is like all these, this is so contextual, right? And that we'd be a place where, yeah, the mask can come off a little bit. There's not this high bar of expectation and your marriage has to look perfect to everyone here. Um, but I thought those answers were beautiful and spot on. So 
Thank you. I'm going to make a game time decision here. We are a little bit over, but there is one question that I thought uh, we didn't get to talk about in the singleness message, and I know it's it's huge for you guys. This is the next one here. Um, it's about how do you know? Oh, nope, nope. Not going to do this one. We're going to actually end on a, a more intense one. How do you manage sexual desires as a single person uh, specifically? I know that's huge in our in our church body. And Wayne, I wanted to let you give that a, get, take a crack at it here. Just. Oh, yeah, yeah. The awkward turtle. I saved you guys a lot more awkward versions of this question, too, okay? So I kind of summarized it. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're touching on very controversial ground here, and I'm going to share how I see things after listening a long time on this issue. People vary in how strong their desire is. It is hormonal, Okay. It is not wrong for your sexual desire to be low, and it's not wrong for your sexual desire to burn. And to Paul says, it is better to marry than to burn in lust. Well, if you can't get married, you may be burning in your lust, and that is not wrong. It is challenging. So what do you do with that? Well, pray. <laughs> Um, you try not to let it, it drive you to places that are, that are not good, settling for someone or breaking your commitment to God and going with someone you shouldn't go with. Um, I personally poured a lot of my sexual energy into my work and my church and my projects and relationships of all kinds. Um, people often ask about uh, masturbation. It is really one of the most controversial topics out there. Nowhere in the Bible does the subject of masturbation come up. There is one part in Genesis where someone spills his seed on the ground. It is not about masturbation. It is about defrauding a commitment that that man was to to have with a woman. So masturbation as, as itself is not in there. Funny, because it's, it's universal through the human race. So my firm belief is that masturbation has nothing to do with your relationship with God. It is not setting you up for judgment it is also not going to make you blind, okay? There are lots of misnomers and shame and guilt. Here's when masturbation becomes unhealthy. If it's based in pornography, it is unhealthy. If it is obsessive, compulsive, it is unhealthy, right? Must check that. Last thing I'll say on this. I found it really interesting in investigating this issue that a monastic order in the Catholic Church, the Jesuits, has as one of their life disciplines for celibate monks a relief that they allow. I don't know whether it was twice a month, but it was something in which the Bishops were assenting to the fact that this is a, a difficult challenge under the sun. And they tried to bring um, 
personal integrity and discipline to this issue and take away the issue of, of real self-condemnation. What you might believe about the Jesuits or, you know, we can talk about that. There's no final answer, but I would say it has no direct bearing on whether God loves you or accepts you or not. I, uh, I wanted to add to it real quick, and then we'll, we'll start to wrap up. Um, as I've, I've read uh, some of the Christian sort of sages, the Dallas Willards of the world and stuff that talk about self-control and this kind of thing and spiritual discipline, they say, like, look, in the area of lust, like lust is the problem, right? And so the extent that masturbation is cultivating that or our sexual drive and just who we are is, is, is taking us down that road, um, we need to fight these things not, if we're just occupied with it and just feeling the guilt of that all the time, right? We're like, yeah, lust, there's tons of things in the New Testament about that. That's, that's dangerous stuff, right? There's stark warnings about it, and it is an area of our life to strive for control and to, to sacrifice and, and take that journey with Christ of, of, of growing in that area. But we can't fight it directly, right? And so the exhortation is to fight it indirectly. And so if we're, I'm addicted to, like, sugar, Right, and, and I'm not, just have no consciousness about what I'm eating. Like, there's gonna be patterns in my life that reflect that emotionally, spiritually, these kind of things. Right, and so like Dallas Willard would say, we got to fight these things indirectly. And so these disciplines, like fasting and prayer, confession with others, uh, accountability with others. Right, we're saying, here's where I want to be. Here's the principle I want to have for my life. I'm striving to to not give in to this pattern in my life, but I need help, and I need to grow in self-control in these ways. And so that's one way. Uh, that some of the sages of the faith, if you will, have held us out. Um, but I also think that God, I just want to encourage you that that God has something for you in the struggle for purity, in the journey toward it, right? That that you're probably not going to bat a thousand, right? No one's going to have perfect success in these areas. And that the, the grace needs to, we need to walk in grace quickly and learn how to relate to the gospel in this area of our life. Okay, and so I believe that, that that's going to be a part of a lot of our story is just how we walk in grace and, and understand the gospel for us as we as we sort of live in that tension. I was going to wrap it up with a real, like, nice, uh, soft question about marriage, but we, I wanted to make sure we got to that one because I know that that was one that, that people just needed us to speak into. So can we thank these guys real quick for, for yeah. being willing to hang in there with us? Maddie, if you could pull up that, that verse at the end here. Um, I just want to encourage you guys from, from 2 Corinthians. So Paul writes these two long letters to this church that's just a mess, and he kind of lands with this short expectation. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. You guys pray for a second. We'll sing some songs here as well.